Be sovereign, Jesus. We pray it in your precious name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Today, we recognize the beginning of uh, spring break here in Michigan, in our area anyway. Uh, thank you, my friend. And um, as, as uh, that begins for us in our area, we do want to pray safety and security for everyone who's traveling. And, and as a pastor, I want you to understand, even though I know that means a lot of people will be out of church on uh, Sundays, uh, especially the Sunday prior and after those two Sundays, but I'm ex- I need you to know, though, I'm excited that families are spending time together, and uh, that's the push and promo of the church, right, uh, as we want to continue to embrace what God is doing with us as families, and time as family together is good. Can you say amen? And so I hope that this week, if you have the opportunity, you can find some time. I'm going to ask us to pray for the Britton family as uh, yesterday morning Mark Britton's father passed away. Um, and uh, he had been in the, uh, in the sack cycle of uh, his, his last days. And uh, Mark had been a good son, trying to do what he could to care for his father as his father finished his race. Hello, somebody. And um, so he's with, heaven, with the Lord in heaven. And if you ever met Mark's father, he was a godly man and loved the Lord. And uh, I, I thought a little bit about this morning, like, if I were watching a family member run a race, especially a marathon, you know how they, they uh, position people along the marathon to provide water or anything for the racers as they continue to race. If I were watching one of my family members run the race, where would I want to be positioned? Would I want to be positioned at the beginning so that I could provide water for them? Would I be, want to be positioned in the middle or would I want to be positioned at the end to be the last voice they heard and encourage them at their moment right before the finish line? And, and I'm just grateful that Mark was there for his dad in those moments as he finished his race. Amen? Hallelujah. Dan, this feels a little hot to me, this mic. Uh, if it is, it is. If it isn't, it isn't. I'll let the sound guys do their thing. Amen? Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We're going to continue our sermon series um, on the road to Easter, the the road uh, from death to life. And I'm excited uh, again about Easter and our opportunity that we have at Easter, not only to celebrate the, the the resurrection of the Lord and the power of the life of God, alive and well inside of us, but what Easter means for us as a ministry. And each year at Easter, we take up our annual Easter offering. It's our best uh, gift. God gave his very best at Easter. And for uh, right at 18 years or so now, we've been doing the same thing. Uh, We come on Easter Sunday morning, give our very best gift. And we've been praying into what it looks like to raise enough money to build a gymnasium for the, the kids and uh, that's our goal this year. The, the map, the model is outside in the foyer. Please take time to look at that if you haven't. But we're going to encourage you as a family. Press into this this year. Uh, the more I talk about this to people who aren't part of our ministry, 
And the more I talk about what I feel like God is doing with us, uh, the more excited I get about it. But at the same time, I see people saying, is that possible? Amen? And uh, we want to lay that out and just ask you to consider what God would put in your heart and in your family's heart for uh, our Easter offering this year. We've challenged the church to take one week's salary uh, and watch what God will do with us as a body of believers. Amen? And so you pray about that, pray into it, but Easter is always an exciting time for us uh, on Sunday morning. Amen? So look forward to that. And uh, I might even wear a suit. The blue one? Nancy says I should wear the blue one. Oh, the gold. All right. So now we're going to start a Facebook poll. The, the white one. I don't have a red one. Luke chapter 24. My wife says, please don't encourage him. Luke chapter 24. Let's talk about an, an interesting story. Now, I have chosen to walk our Easter path this year, not down the traditional organized uh, chronological order of Easter, but to show us the path of what Jesus was doing with the, the total aspect of Easter. So watch this. We're going to talk about the Emmaus Road today. Everybody say, uh, the Emmaus Road. Amen. Here we go. Luke chapter 24 verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still. Now, they're all in a pace together. Can you imagine uh, the pace you would have on a seven-mile road, right? Uh, Obviously, it's not the first time they've walked this road. So they understand the timing it takes to get from Emmaus to Jerusalem. And they've probably got in their mind a timeline. And so they've set their pace. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in and says, Hey, what y'all talking about? And it took them by surprise that this man who joined them on their walk had no idea what was going on. It took them by surprise so much so that the Bible says they stood still and looked sad. Then one of them named uh, Cleopas answered and said, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened? In, uh, in these days, and he said to them, what things? Can you see their mind? Like, what? how can? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up from condemnation to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, everybody say hoped. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Hello, somebody. I mean, there's been some time gone by and a lot of people have been talking about what took place. How do you not know? Are you with me? It's kind of like the Oscars, nobody watches, but three days later, everybody knows what goes on. We had hoped. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. 
They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones. Now Jesus is speaking again. You've got to pay attention here. Jesus is speaking to the strangers now. The, the, listen, the only time he said, he hadn't even said hello to them. He hadn't said nothing to them. He just walked and he said, what are y'all talking about? And they're like, how do you not know what's going on? They told him everything that was going on. And the very next sentence out of his mouth is, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Well, that's rude. You don't know these people. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And the Bible says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, interpret, he interpreted to them all the scripture, the things concerning himself. And so they drew near to the village, to the one which they were going, and they acted as if they were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. For it's towards the evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to him. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. That's rude. What the? They said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked with us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? They rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Another seven mile walk. And they found, I bet it was a faster pace. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told him, or, uh, and they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So, Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said... What a story, right? Like, come on, it's the New Testament. It's, it's everything that's happening inside of this. It's, it's, it's post-resurrection. I get it, right? And so, we're, like, we haven't got there yet, Pastor Don. But remember, we're talking about the roads that Jesus is asking us to walk on in the life that we live right now. And we're talking about how Jesus is using some particular roads to lead us from death to life. And I just need to say to us, those of us who live on this side of the cross, that's, we all live on this side of the cross. We all live on this side of the resurrection. I mean, we do a lot of talk and study about people who lived on the other side. But you and I, we're not those people. We live on this side. We live on the cross as, as a symbol of our salvation. We live on the side of an empty tomb as, as life and, and, and the fullness of God filling our hearts and lives as, as death being defeated. But even though we live on this side of the cross, even though we live on this side of the resurrection, we don't often live like resurrected people. We, don't, we often walk down roads that lead to death. We often walk down roads that lead us to loneliness. We often, often walk down roads that lead us to depression and anxiety. We often, on purpose, walk down roads that rob the hope from us in our life. And Jesus wants to confront the roads that we walk on. 
Jesus literally, he wants to come and deal with that. And the road to Emmaus is an incredible journey because they walk it not once but twice, but with two different attitudes. On this road, they wrestled with companionship and conversation. On this road, they wrestled with the challenge of their faith and what they really believed. On this road, they wrestled with what hope really looked like. Hello, somebody. Last week, we talked about the road that led to the triumphal entry. And that is great for Easter. Usually, you hear that message on Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry into those things. And we love it that Jesus enters into our life triumphantly. But the Emmaus road is a different road. It's a road about living triumphantly. It's about triumphant living. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. And let me just express something to you as a church. Jesus was not talking about when we get to heaven. He's talking about right now. Y'all know that old hymn? When we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. No, we don't sing that here. See, I don't know about you. Eternity started for me the day I got saved. I started celebrating the life of God the night I got saved in September of 1992. I don't have to wait to get to heaven to celebrate. I don't have to wait to get to to heaven to start living. I've got abundant life now. But I also have to admit that sometimes the paths that I've been walking on don't lead me to life and life more abundant. They lead me to death. And I found that every time I, I want to walk down those roads, Jesus gets in my way. Jesus ever got in your way? Jesus ever just got in your way? If we look at the events of the week of Easter, it's anything but triumphal. Let, let, me just, let me just roll it out. The Pharisees asked Jesus to quieten his disciples, right? Jesus cleanses the temple. The chief priests and scribes and leaders, they, they make a pact to try and destroy Jesus. Religious, religious leaders of the day begin to question the authority of Jesus. Jesus is questioned on loyalty and taxes. Come on. Judas was bought to betray Jesus. Jesus is betrayed and arrested. Jesus is mocked and beaten, falsely tried before the Sanhedrin. He's taken before Pilate, and and then Pilate sends him off to Herod, and, and Pilate hands Jesus over to be crucified, and Jesus is crucified and dies. He's buried, and the women go to the tomb on Sunday morning and find the body of Jesus had been stolen. This is anything but a triumphal week. Come on, you ever have one of those weeks? Hello, somebody. I mean, come on, it's, just, it's like every day was Monday. It was, I mean, like, it's Wednesday and it's supposed to be Monday no more. How, this is, how is it Friday it's, and it's just Monday all over again? Come on, somebody. You ever had one of those weeks where no matter what you do, you get up, it's like something, somebody, or, 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 to hit you with a sledgehammer. Just like, why, just one day, honest, tomorrow's going to be a better day and you wake up and, and it just ain't. Come on. I'm trying to be real. I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I'm just going to be honest. I I just try to walk in reality because there are some days that are better than others. I believe that. Amen. 
But here's what I've discovered about all the days. The days that are really good and the days where I feel like somebody just hit me with a sledgehammer. Every single one of them are a day that the Lord requires me to live by faith. He never lets me live a day without having to live by faith. And so situations and circumstances, scenarios and issues that are dealing with you, you're always constantly before the Lord going, okay, okay, what road am I walking on? I mean, come on, you got to admit this whole thing as we walk through it. It doesn't make for a great time of celebration. But their hurt and their discouragement is going to be turned into triumphant belief on this road. This road... Of hopelessness. Jesus has a way of flipping the script. That's the, that's the power of Easter. Death to life. That's the power of it. So here they are. Let me walk through this real quickly. I want you to grab a hold of this, right? Here's this, these two disciples. And um, they're discouraged. They're frustrated. They're defeated. That's okay. It's all right to say that. And so they're traveling home. I bet that slowed their pace. Come on. You ever been discouraged and frustrated and defeated and just find yourself kicking rocks and dragging your heels? Right? I often say in life, my wife has two paces. Regular everyday life where no matter how slow I walk, I'm always outpacing her. And she's always like, slow down, slow down, slow down. And in my mind, I'm even thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm walking pretty slow. But dude, when we get into Walmart. And I'm just like. I, I mean, she's gone around the corner, and pretty soon I, I, I'm pushing the buggy, and I, I can't, she ain't nowhere to be found. I'm like, did the rapture happen? Did I, did I miss it? What, like, where is this woman? One, one employee came around the corner one day. He could see that I was so confused because I couldn't find my wife. I was like, how could I lose her in this store? And he's like, can I help you find something? I'm like, yeah. Do you have a lost wife aisle? I mean, she got that shopping pace going on. She's like, do you want to push the buggy? There is no way. I need you to push the buggy so I can keep up with you. Something's slowing you down. So, I mean, you ever had those days where no matter, I mean, you've just been so beat up that you're just dragging. Come on, somebody. You're just dragging. You're just dragging. Here they are. They're walking, and they're talking about the events. It's inescapable, this hopelessness. It's inescapable, this discouragement. I mean, it is so defeating and heartbreaking that you don't want to talk about it, but you can't help but talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. But you know what? Come on. Man, did you really hope in Jesus? I don't want to talk about it. Man, I had everything I got going into you. Come on. 
They were so preoccupied with their disappointments and their problems and their doubts. And let me ask us this morning, church, as we approach Easter and we walk down this road, where are you? Where are we? These guys were so preoccupied with their frustrations. They were preoccupied with their disappointments and their problems. And they were preoccupied with their doubts. Where are we? Has disappointment, has problems, doubts, have those things hindered our ability to see Jesus for who he really is? Oh, come on. Y'all are quiet, so I know it's good. I mean, disappointment causes us to see the world we look at with different glasses. Come on, frustrations cause us to see things different. Are you with me? Doubts cause us to question everything. This morning, if that is you, I don't want you to be discouraged in this place. Because here's my important point. Not that they didn't recognize Jesus. Here's my point. Jesus recognized them. And he recognized them as his own. Listen, in their moment of disappointment, in their moment of frustration, in their moment of doubt and unbelief, in in the moment of their greatest hopelessness, Jesus recognized them, and not only did he recognize them, he recognized them as his own. Come on, somebody. You see, you think sometimes your doubts alienate you from God. You think sometimes your disappointments uh, make God want to reject you. You think sometimes your struggle, your crisis, the thing you're wrestling with, the things you fail over and over and over with in your life causes God to turn his back on you. But I'm here to tell you that there's a road from death to life where Jesus comes to meet you every time. And when he comes to meet you, he recognizes you not as a doubter, not as a hopeless person, but as Someone that belongs to him. Y'all got. Help us, Jesus. He comes to them, he's walking with them, and it illustrates this promise he made I am with you always. And some of us here today, we want that desperately. Somebody say amen. Oh, help me, Jesus. Yes, that's what I want. That's what I want. But for some reason, we can't receive it as reality. We can't receive that Jesus is walking with us. Oh, we like to sing that song. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And I really don't believe the words of this song. Let's be honest, there are times, there are times, there are times, no matter how much we love Jesus, that it is hard to recognize him. Come on, in your struggle, in your desperate times, have you ever found yourself groping for Jesus? I can't find you, Lord. I can't see you, Lord. I can't, I can't hear you, Lord. In our times of loneliness, it's hard to see Jesus. Listen, when God seems silent, It makes it hard to see Jesus. Come on. When what we thought we knew doesn't seem true, doubts make it hard to see Jesus. When the struggles of life make things seem hopeless, come on, somebody help me. It's hard to see Jesus. 
And Isaiah 43, we forget all about it. We forget all about it. But there, there God says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, they'll not burn you. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. It's His presence that comes in those moments. He wants to join us on our travels, church. Walking with the risen Lord. When we do that, we can also walk with each other. Because you were not meant to walk these roads alone. See, here's the problem. Oftentimes, we only walk down the roads with people who are in the same mood as us. Oh, I don't want, come on somebody. Listen, if you're depressed and, and discouraged, we're walking down the same road. Let's go walk and be depressed and discouraged together, right? If you're hopeless, let's walk down the same road. We'll be hopeless together, right? At least we understand each other. If you're mad, I'm mad too. If you're lonely, I'm lonely too. Psalms 119.63 says, I'm a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. 1 John 1.7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Come on, I know you're discouraged, but he promised. Come on, I know you're lonely, but he said he'd never forsake us. Come on, see, that's why we're supposed to be walking down the roads together. Companionship isn't about sorrows. It's about his promises. See, the Lord wants to walk with us and he wants us to walk with each other. But let me do this about the Emmaus Road because I want you to understand that there's a lot of conversation that happens on this road. And I don't know about you, but I I would be a fly on the shoulder of those guys as they walked to hear Everything they were disappointed about. To hear them relive every... Come on. Come on. Listen, when I go hunting and we bag, like we get to take the animal that we went after. Oh my gosh, do I have stories. Hello, somebody. I, I, got, I got Tom the turkey in my office. Y'all never seen Tom the turkey? We thought Tom the turkey was a Michigan State record. Michigan State record is 32 pounds. He was 28 and a half pounds. And uh, we were on the Gents farm over there, and we were, Josh Wired and I were turkey hunting, and it was in the middle of a thunderstorm. And I mean, the thunder was just booming, and every time the thunder would boom, those turkeys would gobble. And we were just like, oh, yeah. I mean, there was no rain just yet, but man, it was rumbling, boom, 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 and those turkeys were shot gobbling. Oh, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, here we go. It starts to rain on us. But man, those turkeys have been gobbling so much. And Josh is like, man, do you want to leave? Leave? It's, it's starting to rain. I was like, no, no, I don't, no. I don't want to leave. And it starts to rain harder and harder. And, and the more it thunders, the more those turkeys gobble. And the more my blood is pumping. And, and by this time, everything is soaked. We're soaked from head to toe. Our gear is all soaked. And, and, and Josh is like, man, we should probably get out of here. It's about to get muddy and all those things. And I said, I'm not leaving. Not as long as he keeps gobbling. 
And Josh said, man, we can't get around to him. We're going to have to crawl on our knees through the mud. I mean, this is something like out of a TV show. And I was like, let's do it. We're belly crawling for about 30 minutes through the briars and the mud. And, and we get right up only to find out that this big old turkey has about 20 hens with him. And Josh is like, we're never going to get him away from those hens. And I was like, brother, I am soaked from head to toe. And at this point, it don't matter. I'm going to sit here all day until he comes over here. You just keep calling. And we sat there and sat there and sat there. And finally, this turkey comes over the hill. What a story. What a story. Man, crawling through the mud and the briars and filthy and soaked. And, and there it is. We got a story. Can you imagine the same story? You have them too when your heart is broken. When all your hopes are shattered. When everything you had banked your life on is now gone. I would have loved to hear their conversation of how desperate and hopeless they were as they kicked the dust down a dry seven-mile road. Come on, church. And then Jesus joins them, and the conversation changes. I, I don't know about you, but the conversation always changes when Jesus enters the room. Come on, do you get the mood always changes when Jesus shows up. Like, you remember Thomas? I'm not believing. I don't care what you say. I won't believe it until I put my hands, I put my finger in the holes in his hands and my hand in the hole in his side. I'm not believing. Shut up and leave me alone. I don't want to deal with it anymore. You remember? Thomas is so mad. He's mad at everybody. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it. Peter, I'm sick of your stories. Can you feel the tension in the room as Thomas is pouting in the corner, mad at Jesus, mad at, at the disciples, mad at everything? And all of a sudden, Jesus walks into the room, bypasses everybody in the room, and walks up to Thomas and says, Hey, Thomas, put your finger right there. Put your hand right here. And Thomas like, Nah, I'm good, Jesus. We're all right. I mean, it just conversation just changes. He says, he, he asked him, he's like, what, what's going on? Why are you so frustrated? You seem very hurt. You seem very angry. What is going on? Tell me about the things you're talking about. And they pour their hearts out about how they had counted on Jesus to redeem Israel. About how they put all their hope in him and, and, and he died. And, and now all our hopes died with him. Ah, there's this story, these women. It's just too unbelievable. They went to the tomb the first day. It's just, we want, it's just too unbelievable. We didn't see him for ourselves, So we don't know what to believe. And I love it that Jesus is such an empathetic listener. Let me tell you how I know that. Not because of what I read here, but because, man, you got to be an empathetic listener to hear me. See, that's just who Jesus is. He listens to our hearts and our discouragements. He listens to all of our hurts, our wounds, with the ability to enter into our pain. 
Jesus is like, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. These two had no idea that they were talking to the one who had been crucified. They had no idea that they were talking to the one who had been raised. They had no idea that they were talking to the one who was there to turn their sorrow into joy. And I got news for y'all. I know you're believers and I know you love Jesus. And I know you pray. Sometimes you pray more than others and sometimes you go through droughts and you don't pray a lot. But let me tell you something, believer. Let me tell you something, born again, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost person who loves Jesus. When you're talking to Jesus, I guarantee you, some of you in this room, maybe most of us in this room, have no idea who we're talking to. He's the one who hung the stars and called him by name. He's the one who spoke us forth and gave us a purpose. He's the one who came and walked with us. Amen. He's the one who came to die for us and to live for us. He's the one that can heal us and deliver us and set us free. We have no idea who we're talking to. When you pray, pray. Pray and understand who you're talking to. Because that's how he wants to talk to us, through prayer. He desires to converse with us. Psalm 69, answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Don't hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I'm in trouble. How many of you have prayed that prayer before? Maybe you didn't pray it in King James. First Peter says, cast all your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Jesus is not offended. He's not hurt. He's not burdened. He's not overwhelmed by your prayers. These two had no idea who they were talking to. And neither do we sometimes. Oh, help us. The road, the Emmaus road is a road that teaches us that Jesus is there to talk with us, and he's interested in every detail. Come on, church. That leads us to the same road being a road of belief. After they tell their heartbreaking story to Jesus, I mean, you might expect him to say, you know what, I understand. You poor soul. I feel so bad for you. You've been through a lot. We might expect Jesus to put his hand on their shoulder and maybe give them a hug and, Not, not this Jesus. He says, why are you so foolish? I just, I just shared my heart with you. Can I encourage you, Jesus' words were not words of insults. They were words of challenge. He's like, why don't you believe in the scripture? I mean, you know the biblical prophecies about the Messiah. Didn't you understand that that's what the Bible said would happen? They couldn't understand why God wouldn't intervene and save Jesus from the cross. They were caught up in the political powers at hand And failing to understand the true work of the Messiah. Do you understand that Isaiah 53, he's wounded for our transgressions. Come on, church. 
The first 12 verses of Isaiah 53 lays out a Jesus before us who, who is a man like Luane and I were talking about before church. He's acquainted with sorrows. He understands it. He's familiar with it. It's not something that he can't get involved in. But what Jesus does with sorrows is totally different than what we do with sorrows. Because he always takes our sorrows. He takes our unbelief. He takes our hopelessness. He takes our despair and our discouragement back to the word of God. Don't you understand the scripture? Jesus challenges our belief. And let me say this to you. You cannot live without faith. Everybody say amen. You can't. Elizabeth's word to us this morning during worship was, God does things that don't make sense in our heads. He said to these guys on the Emmaus Road, you're foolish for not believing the prophets. And my question to us today as a modern day church, would he say that same thing to us today? How slow are we to believe? How slow. You tell me, church, right now in 25 years of this ministry, 25 plus years of this ministry, how one time God has failed us. And then I'm going to take grief because I want us to have faith to provide an atmosphere where kids can continue to walk with Jesus. Every time we have cooperated with God in the vision he has given us, he has overwhelmed us with his faithfulness. Do we live like we Believe. And John chapter 8 verse 24. Jesus said I told you that I'd die for your sins. And if you don't believe that I am. You will indeed die in your sins. You see that brings us to the last part of what I want to share for just a minute here. Is hope. This road does not have to be a road of despair and discouragement. Jesus comes to us in our most hopeless moments to turn those moments around, not to take those moments away. All right, so the journey's coming to an end. These two uh, encourage Jesus, hey, stay with us. It's, it's let, just stay at our house tonight. And, and they still haven't recognized him. Just stay with us. Just stay with us at our house. And uh, so supper time came, and here's the stranger, and he takes bread and he breaks it. Wait, 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 wait. That's the job for the head of the house, not for a stranger or a visitor. Instantly, as soon as Jesus grabs the bread, breaks it and begins to bless it. Wait, wait, that's not your job. That's not your, hold, hold. we remember, we remember, that's, that's the job of authority. That's the job of the one who's in the head of the house. That's the, the one who's the head of the family. His, he does And instantly their mind goes back. Jesus breaking bread. Come on, somebody. And as quickly as they knew him. (gasps) Boom! He's gone. Rude. And they begin to speak to each other again. But not about the week's events. Come on, church. About... Actually seeing the Lord Jesus themselves. Oh, come on. 
See, that's the way we overcome tragedy. That's how we move from tragedy to triumph is we stop talking about other people's successes and we start walking at our own victories. And we start believing that God came, amen, to give me a personal relationship. He wants to express himself to me personally. And they said, were our hearts not burning in us while he talked with us? How did we not know who he was? You see, their lives prior to this were just like smoldering fire that doesn't give any light, just smoke to cloud, and it just clouds up things and hopelessness. And I'm trying to burn some branches yesterday, and it's trying to rain on me, and I'm so done with March. Just so done with everything being wet and cold. Can't even burn some brush and I got a burn barrel and, and I, I got a fire started with some cardboard because it had been in the garage so it was dry but there was nothing else and all I get it started I put it just smoke it just smoked up the whole neighborhood yeah. I kept working on that fire and kept working on that fire and eventually listen to me people that thing ignited woof, and as soon as it ignited the smoke was gone Instantly, poof, it wasn't producing any more smoke. Come on, church. Come on, church. See, a lot of us are just, the fire in us is so choked by the wetness of unbelief and discouragement. The fire in us is so smothered by the wetness of hopelessness. But once they came into the presence of the Lord Jesus, they said, our hearts are ablaze. A burning fire gives light for everyone to see. Hello, somebody. And they saw, they understood, they believed. All because of the risen Jesus. Listen to me. Grab this. Jesus' victory became their restoring hope. And it becomes the anchor to the rest of their lives. And it is so with ours too. We're so hopeless because our hope's been based on our own strength to win our own victories. And that's why we're walking down the wrong road. It's time to find our hope in his victory. Easter is proof of our hope. Come on, church. Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. We have this hope. And you know what? With renewed hope in their heart, the Bible says back to Jerusalem they went. And I guarantee you, they weren't kicking rocks. Amen. They were kicking up a dust storm. The long discouraged walk to Emmaus now becomes a joyous run to Jerusalem with renewed strength. Oh, you just, you're on the same road. You're just traveling in an opposite direction. Oh, now what God does to us, church. He picks me up and he turns me around. He puts my feet on solid ground. I'm on the same road. I'm just walking in a different direction this time. What's so different about you? Last time I saw you, you were discouraged. You were destroyed. You were hopeless. Uh, He said, what's so different about you? You don't understand. I'm walking on the same road. I'm just walking in a different direction. I was walking from life to death, but now I'm walking from death to life because Jesus has met me in my road. 
Some of you have been walking down a discouraged road for a long time. And I just feel like God's about to renew your strength. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. And they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Where we live now, out on the St. Joe River, the eagles are fishing out there a lot. And I love watching. I keep my binoculars right by the door there. And, and I can see an eagle. He's soaring over the river. And instantly I can recognize him. Apart from all the other birds, there's a lot of birds out there on the water, right? Big birds too. And my wife's like, how do you know that's an eagle? Because he ain't flapping his wings. He's into the wind. And he's soaring. He's resting. Come on, somebody. He's resting in who he is while everybody else is struggling to be like him. All of a sudden, there he is. I told my wife, I said, don't leave that little dog in that backyard. <laughs> it won't be good. <laughs> and that bird's got a 10-inch wingspan, hello, some, or 10-foot wingspan, and did nothing to him. You ever read Psalms 42? Why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Come on, I love it. Why so downcast my soul? Why are you so disturbed and bothered inside of me? Put your hope in God. Where's our belief, church? The Bible says when they got back to Jerusalem, they found the 11. Imagine that. And with great zeal and renewed hope, you know what they said? The Lord is risen. These guys who were once doubters are now promoting the resurrection. These guys who were once unbelieving and full of hopelessness are now preaching hope and belief. Where's our belief? Where's our hope? Come on, church. Can I say this to us as a, as a church? Can I say this to us as the body of Christ that lives right now on planet Earth? Can I say this with boldness? The world awaits to hear from those disciples who are burning within their hearts the message of Easter. He is risen. He is risen. Come on, church. He is risen. See, I believe that the road to Emmaus, I believe it's a road where we find companionship when we feel like we've been abandoned. I believe it's a road where we find conversation with God when we feel like God is silent. I believe it's a road where we find belief in the midst of our doubt. I believe it's a road where we finally find hope in the midst of hopelessness. I believe it's a road where Easter literally changes our direction. Turns us around. Are you with me? I want to encourage you this Easter season 
Walk this road with Jesus. Stand with me. Walk this road with Jesus. Because every person in this room right now, there's something going on that you don't understand why. Why is this happening? This is not what I had planned. Why do I have to deal with this? Over and over and over again. I mean, how many times do I have to nail this board back on this fence? Why does this keep happening to me? Come on, somebody. See, Jesus comes to walk with us right now. Hello, somebody. And he's not scared of what's in our heart. As a matter of fact, I believe in this room right now, Jesus is asking you the same thing he asked these two men. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Now you're afraid to do that because you know what he's going to say. Hello, somebody. You're afraid to ask advice from that one person that you already know what they're going to say? And you don't want to do it because you know they're right. You know what Jesus is going to do? He's going to point you back to the word. Did I not say? Have I not spoken? And shall I not bring it to pass? This has nothing to do with your situation or your circumstance. It has everything to do with where your heart posture is. Did our hearts not burn? Oh, I, somebody should write a book. I want us to close right here with the altar still open like it always is. In a moment of worship. And sobriety. About the path we walk in on. The road from death to life. And I hope that maybe there's a few people who came in here this morning that felt like they were walking a road from life to death that have turned around today. So Father, right now, in Jesus' name, our hearts are postured in your presence. And Lord, church is not about ceremony or ritual, God. It's about doing business with you. And Lord, during the Easter season, we need to do some serious business with you, Jesus. Maybe this morning, God, we felt like the road we've been on has no other destination other than death. And Lord, this morning, you have approached us to say, tell me all about it. Help us to have a heart that burns as you speak. Help us to have a heart that receives what you have to say so that we see you in the midst of discouragement and frustration and, and, and doubt and hopelessness, God. Help us to understand that, Lord, you have come to talk with us. So, Lord, we receive this word in faith. And we pray today, God, that you would hide it in our heart that the devil might not steal it and the world might not choke it out. God, our prayer is that it would it would sink and take root deep into our lives and produce the fruit that you want to produce in us. You, Jesus, you, Jesus, are our life. Your name is the name above all other names. Hallelujah. If you want to come and do a little, some business, someone will come and pray with you. 
If you just want to worship where you're at. Hallelujah. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Come on, church. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name. Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Come on, pray right now. Jesus for my family. your name Jesus let your name come God change us for your glory and for your honor and Lord I just pray this morning that this is just not an East, another Easter season God Lord whereas Christians we just go through the motions of what the ceremony of celebrating the resurrection is like instead God we want to encounter a living Lord God, we want to walk in life and not in death. God, we want our, we want our direction to change, and uh, Lord, from depression to joy. God, from worry to trust. Lord, from anxiety, God, to rest. God, from doubt to unbelief. Lord, from strife and struggle, Lord, to learning what it means, God, to be held in the hand of a loving God. safe and secure in you, Lord. Let not the struggles of the situations of this world, the current things that we're dealing with, God, let them not be a distraction, God, from the fact that you promised you would be with us always, that you would never leave us nor forsake us. That in Isaiah you promised that when we walk through the waters, you would be with us. You promised that when we walk through the rivers, they wouldn't sweep over us. You promised that when we walk through the fire, 
We would not be burned. We promise that you are the Lord, our God, the Holy One of Israel, our Savior. Lord, you promised us your presence. And I pray that over us right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Shouldn't it be in the house of God? Hallelujah. Turn around and tell your neighbor.